Father in heaven, uh, thank you for today, uh, for the weekend again, uh, just allowing us to be together with a group of people who we know that love you, God. Uh, we also love each other, and we love the world around us, and uh, I pray that this weekend will help us to be equipped to, uh, to help in all of those aspects and areas of our lives. Uh, God, just thanks for the men that are here. Uh, it's cool to look around a room and see a bunch of young men who are passionate about a relationship with you, God, and passionate about your people. Uh, God, it's our it's our rarity in a lot of churches, and so we're just grateful that we have a, a group of men assembled like that here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so I was looking at this lesson, and I wrote a lesson for it, and then I didn't like the lesson for it, and so I scrapped it, and then I wrote a second lesson for it, and then I scrapped it, and I wrote a third one, and I wasn't in love with it either, so I took the second two that I wrote, and I melded them together. So this could be quite an interesting class today uh, on masculinity, but... Uh, you know, whenever you think about our culture and you think about masculinity and, uh, and what's going on in our culture, masculinity has been something that's come under massive attack in recent years. And to be honest, I think that part of it is fair and part of it is very unfair. Uh, I think what society and what culture views as toxic masculinity sometimes can be toxic. There are certain things about the way that men act and the way that men treat women and the, the way that men sometimes even treat each other that can be quite toxic, right? You can look at the way relationships work when it comes to men and sometimes, to be quite honest, culture can be right. There are some toxic things about worldly masculinity. Now, the, the thing is, there are also some things that they would consider toxic masculinity in our culture that I wouldn't say would be toxic at all. They're more what the Bible would say a man should be, but because they dis disagree with what that masculinity looks like, it becomes toxic to them, and they don't want to have anything to do with it, and they want to make sure that they reprimand you every time you're being masculine in a way that offends their senses. And as those snowflakes, snowflakes begin to melt, they get very upset with men who speak truth. And it's something that's very difficult for them to deal with at times. So what we really need to do is we need to ask ourselves, what kind of, of, of masculinity are we going to have? And obviously, being the kind of men that we are, men who say we follow Christ, we need to look at the Word of God and say, what does that mean exactly to be masculine? Because he is the originator of masculinity. It's where it all started in the garden when God looked and said, listen, this is what man is. This is what he should be. Placed him in the garden. Where that all got screwed up is when sin, sin came into the picture. And rather than trying to stay in the image of God, man deviated from that and he ran into toxic masculinity. But if we can look at the, at the Word of God, and who Jesus was, and if we can apply those things to our lives, we can find a masculinity that's not toxic at all, but it's a, a world-changing masculinity that allows us to have great relationships with each other, great relationships with the women in our lives, great relationship with the world, the people who you work with, the people who you go to school with. Your masculinity, if it's based in Scripture, can be something that's extremely powerful, but it has to be based in God's Word. And so what we want to do today is we want to just look at a couple passages, uh, one in particular we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I like it because it sounds to me like sometimes when Paul writes, I just eat it up because I'm a sarcastic person, and I can, I like, I like to talk trash, and I like to be goofy with people, but sometimes when he says stuff, I'm like, I wonder if they took that the way that I take it when I read it. Like when I read 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, and he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and he's like, act like men. Like, 
be strong. Let all that you be done, do done in love. And I see that, and as I can see myself when I'm talking to my guys in the past. I'm like, hey, you need to do this, and you need to do this. And then in my head, I'm thinking, you should know this because you're a dude in the first place. You're a man. Just act like a man. What is wrong with you, right? And I can see Paul as he's writing this, looking at this, and he's saying, man, listen, you need to be watchful. You need to be standing up. Could you just act like men? Could you just act like men? Be, be strong and treat people with love. Act like a man. And so when I read that passage and I see that, I'm like, man, I, I identify with the way that I think Paul is talking about those things because I think he's trying to get them to wake up to the fact that they're not being like men, that they're not acting like men at all. Uh, you know, how many men are in this room? Raise your hand if you are a man. All right. Are you sure? You know, this is confusing times. I want to make sure. All right. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. There are some very good things about being a man. Uh, some very good reasons to be a man. Number one, your phone conversations, generally speaking, are over in 30 seconds flat. You can be done with it. You don't got to be on the phone for hours at a time. You know, a, a five-day vacation requires a suitcase. I went for a few days to Florida for a trip, and I took a backpack, and I didn't have to check any luggage. I didn't have to worry about any makeup, caboodles, whatever they are. I didn't have to worry about any of those things, right? You can open your own jars, or most of you probably can. If your wife is doing it for you, Aaron, there's a problem. Uh, you know, uh, you can go to the bathroom without a support group. I read this next one. I read, I found this list and I was reading it. I thought it was funny. And he says, you never have to clean the toilet, but if you're my sons, they pee all over the toilet. So that doesn't really fit most people. Uh, you know, you, you know, there's so many good things about being a man. And, uh, I think sometimes we take those things for granted, but God designed us to be men. He designed us to be who we are, and he longs for us to be godly men that make a difference. And I think he looks at us sometimes, and, he, and like Paul in that passage, he looks and he's like, man, I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. Just act like what I made you to be in the first place. This is what I designed you to be. So how do you know when you're a man? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You see, part of the problem, I think, is when culture looks at what, what they consider men, a lot of times what they don't understand is they're not looking at men at all. When they see to toxic masculinity, they're not looking at men. They're not looking at what God designed man to be. They're seeing a bunch of little boys, and they're seeing boys who have facial hair and who have been through puberty but are still children, and they've never really grown up. And their way of thinking is very selfish, and it's self-centered, and so they do stupid and horrible things sometimes because they're not really men at all. They're still children. And guys, to be quite honest, working in the campus ministry for 25 years, sometimes I, even to this day, I am still shocked at how some of the guys that we run into and some of the guys that are in our ministry and have been in our ministry, how they can be 18 years old and still behave the way that they do. I, sometimes my mind is just blown, and I'm like, man, are you ever going to grow up? Are you ever going to put those childish ways behind you? And some of the things are very serious things, just the self-centeredness that a child has, but then other things, too, that I'm like, no, you're not a kid anymore. Like, hold on, I don't want to embarrass him. Who, let me see if he's here. Maybe I do want to embarrass him. <laughs> Where's Tracy at? <laughs> is Tracy here, or is he working? Oh, he's in trouble. He's not here. I'm going to tell a story. So there's a guy in our campus ministry. I won't say his name. <laughs> 
and he recently got engaged, and we got the privilege of doing their premarital counseling. And in this premarital counseling session, one of the most hilarious things to me was that he had moved into the apartment before his fiance. And when she came into the apartment where they were going to be living and he had set up their living room for them, he had an anime shrine in their living room. <laughs> and, and you guys, some of you guys are like, yeah, so what? That's awesome. He almost didn't get married because of that, children. So, <laughs> the thing that you need to understand is that at some point in your life, you have to make a choice of whether or not you're going to stay a child or you're going to grow up and be a man. And that's a minor thing, obviously. And I like teasing you guys, but I could give you real life examples of over and over again of how some of the men in our ministry weren't men at all and they were boys. And it led to disastrous relationships and disastrous decisions that got them in trouble over and over and over again. I have the same conversation with my son, with my 17 year old. He's probably in here somewhere. We have this conversation when he gets a paycheck. Where's that money going to go? Is it going to be a child decision or a man decision about what you're going to do with that money? All, the, all kinds of different things about it. But the thing is, is that too many times the problem is that men don't grow up they don't put away their childish ways they're still little boys so it doesn't it shouldn't surprise us at all when the world looks at these things that look like they should be men but they're still children and be like that's toxic because it is toxic because you were never designed to stay a child for your entire life and at some point you have to grow into what you were designed to be and God's word tells us that we need to do that. You see, there are three, there are three characteristics. We're going to work out of that chapter in 1 Corinthians 16. And there are three things that we're going to talk about that are characteristics of man, masculinity in the kingdom. You see, it starts out in 1 Corinthians 16, and it says this. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. We're going to talk about four things, actually. The first one is be watchful. Be watchful. The first thing that you need to understand is that men are aware. They're aware of the things that are going on around them. You see, children are very unaware, right? When, I think about when I grew up and some of the things that were going on around me and some of the things that I missed that I look back on now and I'm like, how do you miss those things as a child? How do you realize, how do you not realize how screwed up the world is when you're a little kid? How do you not realize the, 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 you know, the decisions that your parents make and you, and you look at all these different things. You don't realize how hard it is for them. You don't realize some of the difficult sacrifices they make. You don't realize there are so many things that you're just completely and utterly unaware of when you're a child. But when you grow up to be a man, you should be someone who's becoming more aware because you're not so self-consumed that you aren't, you aren't noticing what's going on around you. And I think as a man, there are several things that we have to be aware of. The word, uh, it, it, the name Gregory, if anybody here is named Greg, Greg's here, isn't he? Greg here? Yeah, right here. Greg's name, it comes from the Greek word where it says be watchful, and it means to be awake or, or to watch out for. And he, that's what he's saying in this passage. He says, listen, you've got to be aware. You've got to be like, like that watchman that's on guard looking for whatever's coming, and you need to be aware of who you are and what's going on in your life. You see, I must be first aware of where I stand spiritually. I don't think you can be a masculine man of God the way you were designed to be if you aren't aware enough to know where you truly stand spiritually. You and I both have probably run into men who would say, yeah, I'm a good man of God. And everyone around them would be like, no, you're a spoiled little brat baby child of God. That's what you are. Because you've never matured past the point of thinking about only yourself. 
That's the reason why so many churches struggle and barely get by. That's why so many churches, everything has to be done by the women in the churches because the men aren't aware of where they stand spiritually and they think just because they're a man that they're a leader. And God's going, no, that's not the way that works. You need to be more aware of where you stand spiritually of who you truly are. And if you can't be aware of where you stand spiritually, how do you ever grow into something more mature? You know, you need, you need to be aware of where you stand in your relationship with God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. You know, you've got to be able to look and say, Man, I need to be aware. I need to watch over my heart with diligence. Where do I stand in my relationship with God? Am I aware of where my heart really is? Some of you guys are oblivious to where you stand spiritually. Some of you guys, I, I can tell you right now, for years, we had, there, was a, there were a couple guys in our youth ministry who constantly were coming to us, and they were like, I want to teach a class. I want to teach a class. I want to teach a class. Is Aaron here? Is he here? I'm not embarrassing Aaron, because Aaron's grown into an awesome man of God. But Aaron was one of those guys for a long time. He always wanted to teach a class, but he was very unaware of his spiritual immaturity in the way that other people viewed him. And so we would always be like, no, dude, you're not ready to teach a class. You're not aware of where you are spiritually. You're unaware. And uh, James Garfield said this. He said, I mean to make myself a man. If I succeed in that, I shall succeed at everything else in life. And some of you need to look at it like that and realize, man, I aim to be a man of God, a mature man of God, because everything else in my life will fall into place. But some of you need to realize you are not that man right now. You're still a child. You're still a boy in many areas and aspects of your life. You know, you think about when Jesus went to the garden and he takes, his, he takes the apostles with him, right? And he's going to go in and he talks to them and he says, man, watch out. Same word, watch out and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he comes back to them who are supposed to be watching out, who are supposed to be being aware of what's going on with them. And what are they doing? They're asleep. You see, Jesus asked them to watch out, and they couldn't even stay awake, and too many men are falling asleep at the wheel spiritually, and we have no idea where we're at. And God's going, are you going to be aware of what's going on around you or not? You know, I think you have to have something to gauge yourself by if you're going to be aware of where you stand spiritually, right? You know, some, you have to have some kind of standard to say, okay, well, then what is a spiritual man? So as men of God, where do we look for that? We look for it in the word of God, right? Isn't that where we should be looking to say, okay, where do I really stand? How do I stack up to what the Bible would say a man of God should look like? And for me, I've always, whenever I think about that, I always think about in my head the qualifications for an elder and, or a deacon. Because those men are placed with a lot of responsibility in the church. And, and, and Paul talks to Timothy and he talks to Titus. He says, listen, you need to find people who can be elders and deacons in your church. And these are the standards. This is the list of things that you should look at. And this will tell you if they're a spiritually mature man who is able to handle the responsibility that's there. And I think every man in here... I think it would be an awesome thing if every man in here set it to be their aim to say, I'm going to be a godly man who, if the church needs it, I could be an elder or a deacon in that church at the drop of a hat. And if you can look at that list of qualifications of an elder, then what you will find out is if you stack up to those things, you're a man and you can be aware of it. But some of you aren't aware of even what that takes. In, in uh, Titus chapter 1, it says this. We're going to start in verse, we'll start in verse 5. It says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. All right, so he says, listen, I, I'm, I want you to put some masculine, godly men in charge of these churches so that they can take care of things because you cannot do it all. 
You know, to be honest, even at the crossings, guys, and I'm sure every other church here would say the same thing, we are in desperate need of mature, godly men to help fill gaps, and other people are running around going crazy trying to do all this stuff that they shouldn't have to be doing because there aren't enough men who, who meet lists like this. Anybody, other churches, raise your hand if you would agree with that, all right? So we have this issue all over the place. And we need men to be aware and step into the man God designed you to be. Look, what, look at this list, though, because this list, culture would hate this list. You look at what it says, and it says, an elder must be blameless. It must be someone who has a, you're going to be able to look at and say, man, I can't put any fault on that dude. I, you look at him, you have a good reputation because you can look at him and say, man, how, what do I say bad about this person? You know, for, for many people, you, you couldn't find one person. Your mom won't even say that about you. And if your mom won't say that you're blameless, who is going to? You know, but he says he needs to be someone who's blameless. He needs to be faithful to his wife. In, in, another, in other translations and other passages in Timothy, it says the husband of one wife. Man, the world looks at that and like, no, man, get as much as you can get from whoever you can get it from. And you don't need to tie yourself down to one woman. But no, and God goes, no, a man finds himself a wife a wife and he's faithful to that wife he's and then a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient let me tell you something you look at what this says about a a, a masculine man of god and it says he's a good dad man half of half of our ministry didn't have a dad at all what does culture say about the worth of a father it, it says you don't matter at all and that's a bunch of crap because most of the problems that our culture and society faces, to be quite honest, if we had some good godly fathers in the houses, most of those things would go away in the first place. You want to know where you stack up? You got to look at lists like this. You go on down, it says that, you know, that not only that, but that his children believe, they're not open to the charge of them being wild and disobedient. Our culture says you shouldn't discipline your kids. You should basically let them do whatever you want. And God says, no, that's not the way that it works. You go on down. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing. Man, the world likes an overbearing man. The world likes a man who's going to take control and make whatever he wants to happen, happen. And we buy into that like we need that kind of control that we need to be overbearing. But a godly man, true masculinity, a man isn't overbearing like that. We look at the gruff, tough guys who make it happen and we're like, that's a man. And God goes, no, that dude's overbearing. He's controlling. He's not quick-tempered. I told you guys last night, I am a quick-tempered dude. I struggle with that. Me and TC are on the same, in the same vein with temper. We both can, we can snap like that. But I look at that, and I'm like, man, and in the world, that, you look at that, and you're like, that dude's tough, right? That dude, he don't, he don't play with nobody. Nobody's going to mess with that dude because he ain't having it. But God goes, no, wait a minute. True masculinity says you're not going to be quick-tempered. You're not going to be someone who is quick to be angry, not given to drunkenness. The world says it doesn't matter if you drink liquor. It doesn't matter what goes on in those, in those circumstances. You go ahead and drink. Drink until you're happy. Drink until you pass out. With, there are famous songs about how good it is to drink until you can't walk, right? And you look at the glorification that takes place for alcohol in the world around us, and you don't see that at all in Scripture. I promise you. That is not what you see in Scripture, and that's not what a man does. You could keep going down. He's not violent. Again, not someone who's always ready to fight. Again, a struggle of mine. You mean you hurt somebody that I care about? I'm ready to fight you. You burn me with a fork, I'm ready to knock your teeth down your throat. Like, there's all kinds of things. That, it's easy to be quick-tempered and to be violent, right? And to be upset. Not pursuing dishonest gain. 
a masculine man isn't going to take advantage of someone else in order to get what they want. A masculine man, then it goes from the things, oh, don't do all these things, but, then it's, but you should be hospitable. Hospitality is something that escapes most men today. Hospitality has to do with being, being some, taking someone in and making them feel at home wherever you are with them. Making them feel loved and cared for and having a warmth that says, man, I'm glad that you are here. Man, that's not something men are very good at today. That, that, that requires you getting out of your comfort zone and making sure other people know that you care for them. One who loves what is good, who really cares about things that really are true and worthwhile. That's what a good masculine man is. One who is self-controlled, who, who can hold his control and say, no, I, I want to do that, but I'm not going to do that because I know it's not, it's not what's best. That's not what a godly man would do. I can't involve myself in that. And you would make those decisions over and over again. Who's upright, who's holy, who sets himself apart, a man who is disciplined. He's got to hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine, doctrine and refuse those who oppose it. He says, man, a godly man knows the word of God well enough that he can teach others and give them hope through it. And anyone who's saying something that's unbiblical or incorrect doctrinally, he's able to stand up against them and refute it. Man, some of you guys, you, you have read so much, you, you watch so much Netflix and so much anime and so, and you could sit down and you could tell me what every stupid magic card is for and what it does and which characters are the best and how to win every game and you can't tell me jack crap about what the Bible says. That's not masculinity. It's immaturity. And I think we've got to start looking and saying, man, what exactly does a man look like? You want to know, get into God's word. He spells it out for you in many, many, many passages. You can make yourself aware, like this passage tells you to, of what a man looks like. And then you can look at that and you can compare notes and say, man, if that's a man and this is me, I'm not much of a man at all. So where do I need to start? What do I need to attack? What do I need to do to make sure that I am a masculine, mighty man of God? And not by culture standards, but by God's. Because you will never have toxic masculinity if that's where you're finding out what masculinity is. Because God's word teaches you what it's like to be a man. And you have to be aware of where you stand. So I have to be aware. He says, be watchful. Be aware of where I stand spiritually. Also, I must be aware of those around me. Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others and adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. A man is aware of where he stands spiritually, and he's also aware of what's going on in the lives of the people around him, and he puts them before he puts himself. You've got to be able to watch out for the interest of the people around you and make sure that you're taking care of them. That's what a man does. He takes care of those things. And again, I can see why society doesn't like manhood or what they would call masculinity because so many men have bailed not only on their responsibility and awareness of themselves, they don't care and watch out for anyone else around them either. And so they're viewed as selfish and hateful and mean because they don't care about anything other than themselves that's not masculinity 
Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. He tells over and over again, you'll find passages where you're told to watch out and protect the people around you for spiritual reasons over and over and over again. You see, a godly man watches out. That's what masculinity looks like. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong and let all you do be done in love. You see, masculine godly men are aware secondly masculine men of the kingdom are committed he says stand firm in the faith be watchful stand firm in the faith act like men be strong let all you do be done in love the word for firm there is i don't know how you would say it west s-t-e-k-o steko seco mm-hmm yeah, there you go. See, Wes said it. So anyway, so the idea of it is, and, and it's weird, but the idea of it is, it's like, it's like a stake that you drive in the ground that is going to keep everything else firm is what it is. And when you look at that word, he says, listen, I need you to be, to stand firm. I need you to be committed. Someone who is not going to be moved by what's going on around you. And you need to stand firm in the faith. And it's not just your faith, but standing firm in the faith, the gospel, the truth of God's word. We're supposed to stand firm in all those things. And again, it's very difficult to stand firm in a faith that you don't really know anything about. And sadly, most men don't know much about the faith because they don't get in the word at all. How are you going to stand firmly and be grounded by something that you don't understand and can't even grasp because you can't even crack it open? And this is especially important for you guys and you young men, especially for the churches that attend here, because to be quite honest, we don't have a whole lot of older men around us who can be that for us, right? You guys, you guys, you guys are the ones who have to make a decision that you're going to get to know God's word. You're going to be committed to it. You're going to stake it in the ground and you're going to say, I'm not moving from this position because this is what the Bible says, but you've got to get in there and know it well enough to be able to do that. Because the problem is, is that culture is not going to want you to do that. And they're going to do everything they can to drag you away from your stake in the ground and from that stance that you're supposed to take. First Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And it is very easy for the world and for people who leave God's kingdom to look and say, man, I'm, I'm not going to stick by that anymore. And they will do everything they can to knock you off of your stance. It's kind of like, you know, how many of you guys have ever played like King of the Mat or King of the Hill or something like that, right? And, and one person's trying to fend off everybody and they're trying to keep on it and, and everybody's trying to throw you off and it, that's the way that it can feel sometimes. And you know, if you can, if you can be the King of the Mat, you can be the King of the Hill, you're the man, right? Like, you know, I, Jackson wrestles in wrestling and he, I don't know, what do you weigh, a buck? 138 is what he wrestled last time. For a 138-pounder to be the king of the mat is tough because he has to wrestle heavyweights also. But if you can work your way through all the lower weight classes, get to your weight class, keep going, and then you can work your way through the heavyweights and stay king of the mat, people are like, that dude's a man, right? They're like, that dude is strong. There's, that guy is grounded. That guy is committed. He's not going anywhere. And it, when it comes to our relationship with God, that's the kind of stance that we have to take in our faith. And we have to be committed that says, I am unwilling to move. 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5 says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with 
great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather up around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And he says, listen, there are a lot of people who aren't going to stay committed. There are a lot of people who aren't going to stay grounded, who aren't going to stay staked, and they're going to be willing to move, but you need to be different. You need to be committed to the, to the duty that you were given. And we need a bunch of men in our ministries who say, I refuse to be moved off of this mat. No matter what you do to me, no matter what you pull, I'm, I refuse to do this. I'm going to faithful, faithfully discharge the, the responsibility that God gave me to be a man of God. And I'm, I don't care what it takes, that's what I'm going to be. And if all of the men in our ministries would do that, if you would have that kind of that fight within you that says, I refuse to be moved, I'm committed to this, our ministries would explode with growth. We wouldn't fit in this room, and we wouldn't fit in the next building we're trying to fit into because God would use masculine, godly men in ways that we can't even fathom. So he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. And then again, he kind of sidesteps, he's like, act like men. And then he goes back to be strong, right? Be strong. Men are strong. Now, being strong in a relationship with God isn't always what you think of, right? I know some men who I would consider very strong men who if you were to look at them physically, you'd be like, that is not a strong person whatsoever. You know, you, you, you look at him, you're like, that guy's out of shape. He's bald. He's, you know, you look at him, you're like, how is that dude strong? Because he's strong in, Steve, you look offended back there, bro. You good? <laughs> I was talking about Brent. Don't worry. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, you know, but there are people, you know, when you look at it, but you say, man, how can that person be viewed as strong? Because it's where their strength comes from and where it resides. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it says this. Uh, I opened something accidentally. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or not forsake you. And he tells people over and over again in, in the word of God, be strong in the Lord. You know, he doesn't expect you to be strong of your own accord and in who you are. But he says you can be strong in the Lord. You can, you can be someone who relies upon God in a way that allows you to be really powerful. You know, it, it's crazy. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a point in David's, in his uh, rulership, where they, they leave and they go on a campaign and they come back and their camp has been burned to the ground and their wives and their children have all been taken. And when that happens, it says that, that, that they break down and they cry. And it says they weep, and they're having the hardest time. And in moments like that, it's so easy to be someone who says, man, I just want to give up. I just want to run. But that's not what David did at all. But if you contrast that with Saul, a few chapters before that, there comes a time in Saul's relationship, or in Saul's rulership to where he faces a hard time and he has a decision to make too. And whenever he hits that, that time, instead of being strong in the Lord, what Saul does is he goes looking outside of God for strength and he's like, I'm going to go consult this witch and see what she has to say. But if you contrast that with what David did, it says, that, it says this, it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord God. You see, David knew the source of his strength was outside of himself and it belonged to God. So he ran towards God when he knew that he was weak. 
and that's what made him strong. He knew that in his weakest moment, when he was unable to fight his own strength, he could be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, as Ephesians chapter 6 says. And there are times where I look and I'm like, man, sometimes men today can be so weak. Men can be so, so weak. There, there are times, guys, to be quite honest, there are times when, some, when something will happen with some guy in our campus ministry and he falls to pieces. And I'm like, are you for real right now? Like, are you serious? Like, you're going to fall apart because of that? There was a time, I'm, TC, I'm sorry, I got to do it. There was a time, <laughs> TC is like, go for it. There was a time when TC and Maria were in a fight, basically, True, which it happens often. And once it happened once, TC lost. Um, so they were in a fight. And if you you didn't get to hear a lot of TC story, but TC grew up in a pretty rough environment, and he had never been taught to be a man. And I come into the room, and TC is a grown man. Probably how old were you at the time? Twenty-one years old. They're having a fight. Like, she didn't hit him with a bottle. She didn't, like, you know, it wasn't any, this was not, like, a, a huge deal. Her words hurt, he says. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask TC. He is curled up in the fetal position, crying and rocking on the floor in the bedroom. And I'm not kidding. And I remember I came in, and I'm like, what are you doing? Did I not? And I was like, get your butt off of the floor. You are not a child. Knock it off. Now, this is ridiculous. And TC looks up at me like, I don't know if anybody's ever talked to me like that before. But he got up off the floor, and we started to have a talk about the fact, how do you expect to keep a woman like Maria, who is so much better looking than you anyway, when you act like a two-year-old on the floor crying in the fetal position over such a stupid issue? <laughs> and to be honest, guys, some of you guys are just as bad. There are times. <laughs> Drew's shaking his head at me like, please don't bring me into this right now. <laughs> the first time I went disc golfing with Drew, he got mad because he threw a disc wrong, and he picked up two of his discs, and he goes, <laughs> and throws them into a bush that he's going to have to go chase them back out of, not to mention he had also broken a pair of his Ray-Bans by throwing a disc at his bag because he threw a disc wrong, all right? And we've had this conversation. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> I didn't ask your permission. So anyhow, my point is this. Sometimes, guys, especially some of you young men and the way you've been raised, you guys fall apart at the stupidest little things. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to start looking and saying, man, I've got to stop relying on my own strength. I've got to be strong in the Lord. And I've got to realize that some of the things that I get upset about are very temporary minor things and in the grand scheme of eternity if I know who my God is and I know the kind of power he has I'm not going to fall apart over this stupid little issue because I know he's bigger and stronger than that and I can find my strength in him and I can make it through that because I can rely upon him I don't have to rely upon myself you know I, I there, there are guys in the ministry like TC who I look at who's came so far once he's realized that he's grown and he's matured and he's, and he's become something so much more powerful now because of that, because he's realized that his strength comes from God.
You know, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Isaiah 40.29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Psalms 119 verse 28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Over and over and over again, you see God saying, listen, yeah, you're right. You're pretty weak, but with me, you're very, very strong and you're capable of so much more than what you've ever dreamed or imagined. And so many men today, especially the men in this room, and the men in the kingdom need to understand that God designed you to be mighty and powerful in him. And it's time for us to stop wandering around like we're like these wimpy little girls. Sorry, not to be, not to berate the women, but you, you're not a girl. You're not a woman. You were designed to be a man. And you've got to start handling your life like that, like you were designed to be a man of God who's mighty in his relationship with God. You see, in that passage, it tells us, it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And then the last sentence says, let all you do be done in love. It's, it's crazy because it seems to me like too many times, especially in our culture, you have, you have like, it's like there are two ditches that men get stuck in. Either they're stuck in the ditch to where they are just mean and they're angry and they're hurt and they're bitter and they're broken because they've been through the things that they've been through and they didn't have a lot of dads and they didn't have a lot of godly male influences in their lives. And so they fall into this ditch to where they're just kind of hateful and selfish and mean. Or you go into this other side to where you're like, overly loving and you're like oh man I, I I'm somebody who I I'm never going to say anything that could ever hurt or challenge or push anyone because I want people to be free to do whatever they want and you fall into this almost feminized like statehood of masculinity <laughs> and and God says listen you can be someone who's strong and you can be someone who is committed and you can be a man but still do everything in love you know, one of the things that I, I appreciated about my dad growing up was the fact that, like, he was good at being someone. I can't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but they were, we were laughing. They were talking about my dad crying about something. I can't remember what it was. But they were like, dude, your dad is one of the most masculine people I know who cries all the time. And, and I remember growing up as a kid and realizing that. I would look at my dad and be like, you know, my dad is not like this wimpy guy. He's not afraid to say anything to anybody. But also, he's tender hard enough that when someone else is hurting or when it's something with his kids or his wife, he's not afraid to cry and weep in tears of joy or tears of sadness. He's, he's not afraid to love. And even in discipline, you know, I would, we would have conversations after he would whoop my butt. Hey, I'm doing this because I love you and I care for you. Every, I, and, and obviously, he's not perfect, you know, and he, but he was someone who always balanced, I think, the good side, the strong side of manhood and the side that, that maybe culture would look at and be like, that's rough, like whooping your kid's butt, right? Or saying something really hard to somebody that needed to be said, but he would always balance that with, man, I love you and I want this for you. And he would dream for people after he would say those hard things. And I think a lot of times whenever it's easy to get stuck in one of those ruts to where you're, you're not really being masculine because you're not being either of those things. You've got to meld it all together where you're able to talk to people, say the things they need to hear, be straight with people, be able to discipline people, be strong and be courageous with people, but also be loving with them and putting your arm around them and saying, all right, come on, now we're going to go do this together and we're going to make it through it. You know, Jesus could clear out the temple, but Jesus was also loving. You know, and, and, and even in those acts, even in acts of discipline, you can be a man of love. He says, listen, do all these things that you're doing. Be strong, be courageous, be a man, stand your ground, but do it all in love. And I think that 
Uh, that's again, something that we haven't done a real good job of sometimes is making sure that we're making sure we, we communicate love to other people. You know, it, it's, it's funny cause I was, I've been watching at our church a little bit and I think we have a friendly church. I think generally speaking, our church is a friendly place to be, but I have noticed over the years, I remember when I was a little kid, everybody always, I, I was looking at grown men hugging each other all the time, all the time. And I think that has tapered down, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I don't think it's COVID-related, because I noticed it before COVID. But, like, there is something about a man who's willing to hug another man, or to go up and hug a little kid, or set a little kid on his knee. You know, that physical touch that comes. Like, I think it's undervalued. You look at Jesus, and he was a tough, strong dude. He went through a lot of stuff, and here he was. He would go up, and he would scoop. You, you could just see him scooping up a child and being like, telling the apostles, you need to back up. These kids are important, right? And he was tender with them, and he was constantly touching people and showing them love through physical touch. If you're a guy who's like, no, I just don't like touching. I just don't like, well, you're not very loving. You know, and, and, and words of affirmation and encouragement, those are things that people need. Those are things that masculinity, that the world needs to see that is masculinity. They need to see men who are willing to love, to encourage, to touch, to hug, and treat people the way that they should be treated because I think that would also help with some of the things that they view as toxic. And I think, you know, if we could balance out all these other good things that God designed us to be as men with love, I think the world would look at godly men and be like, if that's what masculinity looks like, that's not toxic at all. And more of our men need to have that. And I think they would be drawn to the kingdom of God. Because, and, I'll, and I say that because I've seen that happen over and over again. I've seen many guys scoop up girls they do not deserve <laughs> because they're they're masculine golly men you look at them you're like one of these things is not like the other right you know it's like and you're like how did that dude swing that chick because he was masculine in the way that god designed him to be that's how he swung that chick and while he might not be the best looking dude he's a good godly man and women are attracted to that and the world's attracted to that because that's what god designed us to be and I think, you know, like we talked about earlier in the lesson, I think a lot of us need to be more aware of where we stand. We need to be more aware of where we stand spiritually. We need to be more aware of what's going on in the lives of the, of the people around us. We need to make sure that we're really, truly committed to the things that God tells us to be committed to. We need to stand strong, and we need to love people. And when we do that, God will be able to use us as men in a way that's really powerful. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, today, God, for allowing us to look into your word and see what you have to say about what a man of God looks like. God, I pray that you'll help us to base our standards for masculinity and for, uh, God, just what a man or a woman should look like based upon your standards, God. Based upon what your word says, not what anybody around us tells us, but we can look into your word and say, this is a man, and that's what I'm going to strive to be. And God, I pray that you'll help every man in here to do that, God, that you'll bless them, God, in their, in their personal lives, that you'll bless them with good, godly women, God, that you will bless them with becoming the kind of men who are able to lead churches, and they're able to compare themselves to lists like we talked about in Timothy and Titus, and they can say, man, that's what I'm aiming for, and that's who I'm going to be, and that they will become those kind of men, God, and that the kingdom of God will be blessed because a bunch of men decided, I'm going to be masculine in the way that God designed me to be in the first place, and that your kingdom will have... Uh, just incredible growth because a few men in this room decided, man, I'm going to be different than what I ever was before. I'm going to be a man and be the man God designed me to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.